What do you prefer people call you and what are your pronouns? My name is Kathleen Evans. You can call me Kathleen or Kat. I'm going more by Kat in my personal life now and my pronouns are she, her. Lead, follow, or switch? Switch. How long have you been dancing? Ooh, I've been dancing in some form since I was like five. What are your primary dance styles? I'd say fusion is, has been my primary dance style for quite a long time. Historically, I've done a lot of other kinds of dances. I did salsa, I did bhangra, I did East Coast Swing, not even Lindy Hop, like older school. I've done, I did flamenco for a bit. I have a really interesting, varied dance background. Sounds like it. How did you find your way to dancing? To dancing or to fusion? To dancing. We'll get into that later. Ooh, to <laughs> dancing. Um, so I started ballet when I was three. I did not stick with it. I only did it for a couple of years. And then I think when I found out about how much it warped your feet going on point, I was like, <laughs> eh, I don't know about that. Um, but there are videos of me at five or six years old doing interpretive dances to like the intro to Phantom of the Opera <laughs> and stuff like that. So I always loved to move and I wasn't super disciplined about it. I was never in, or for a long time, I was not in any like very formal dance training, but I always loved movement. So I would gravitate towards things that would allow me to dance. Okay. How would you define dancing? Hmm. Sort of the art thesis, what is dancing? I'd say generally dancing is rhythmic movement to music. I guess it doesn't have to be music, but that's probably the most general that I can get. Okay. And what do you love about dancing? It can be such a pure form of self-expression. It's and a movement and a way that you express yourself in that way can be the exact same and look completely different for different people because they're pulling different things about it. It's a way to center yourself in your body and a way to communicate, a way to release tension and emotion. I mean, there's so many things that I love about it. It's a way to connect with other people. I just think it has so many benefits. Yeah. Have you ever fallen out of love with dance? Yes. Um, I feel like I'm going through elements of that right now, <laughs> yeah. actually. It's been difficult getting back into it during COVID, and I'm running an event where I love what we've built in this event, but I feel like I'm in organizer mode a lot of the time and not as much in dance mode. And I've been trying to decide, do I want to learn a different dance? Do I want to stick with fusion? I've hit kind of a malaise with it, but it's something that I'm always going to come back to. I'm going to push through it this time, just like I have in the past. I'll just have to figure out how. What do you think is important about dancing? I mean, a lot of the things that I said of the reason that I loved it, I think is important about it. I think... I don't think that it should be gatekept. I think that there's a lot of gatekeeping in a lot of different kinds of dancing. 
I say it's rhythmic, but you can still be dancing if you're not on the rhythm, as an example. And I think that if people can find that, that type of self-expression, like I said, there are actual health benefits that I think that come with it, not just benefits related to exercise, but I think that there are mental health benefits to it. I think that it's a means of finding connection if words are not your easiest form of connection, dancing and connecting with another human that way can be, and I think that's a really big deal. And I think it's often a way to release emotion that you didn't even know that was there, if you can find that connection to yourself. And I think that that's really important. It's beautiful. How long have you been fusion dancing? So the first time I went fusion dancing, although at the time it was called blues, was in February of 2012. I was a contra dancer. That's another dance I forgot that I did. <laughs> but I was a contra dancer and I was at the dance flurry up in Saratoga Springs, which is a couple thousand people events. And there was a room of blues, quote unquote, blues dancing. And I remember walking into this room and saying, this is the dance that I've been looking for my entire life. Something that is so focused on your body and your core, something where the movement just felt so easy and intuitive to me. And I said, I have to find this. Whatever this is, wherever it is, I need to find it. And that brought me to Friday Night Blues that Flower was running. Again, Friday Night Blues, but at the time there was a, a fuzzier line between blues and fusion. So a lot of the music was not strictly blues music. And at that event at Friday Night Blues, I met Ivy Gray for the first time. And she said, oh, she should come to this fusion exchange thing that I'm doing. So January 2013 in Las Vegas was the first fusion exchange I went to. And the rest is history. That's funny. It's the first one I went to, too. Have you ever been involved in organizing, teaching, or DJing fusion dancing? <laughs> I have not taught dance, but I have definitely done the others. And I performed, and I've, I've done a lot in fusion. I, I didn't consider myself an organizer for a long time, and I felt like I didn't want to be because I was always organizer adjacent, and I saw all of the challenges that organizers deal with and how sometimes you can lose your joy in the thing because you're focused on organizing it, which is something that I'm struggling with personally right now. The first time that I organized, I started doing little mini outdoor dances with a friend in New York City. And at first we would just get a couple people together and go to a park and dance around. But eventually they got big enough that we had to get a permit. We had to get a permit for the space and we had to get a permit for amplified sound. One of those is from the city and one of those is from the police department. And Flower started having me do those outdoor dances during Motley Hue, which was the big annual fusion event in New York City. And that's when we got 100 plus people at those. Um, and then I didn't organize for a while until Joe Russo bought this apartment that we're sitting in right now and had it renovated and said, I want to start having fusion dances. Will you help me? And I said, oh, it won't really be organizing. It's just a house party and <laughs> it's not my space. And now we have, you know, very involved COVID protocols and five hours of dancing a night that I'm trying to get DJs for. And 
you know, 50 plus people coming every month and shit, now I'm an organizer. <laughs> I started DJing in, I think January of 2015 was my first time DJing at a non-house party. So that was my, my first stint into DJing. And the reason I started DJing is because I started collecting covers. Mm. I remember Ernie Halter's um, Cyclone yeah. was the first one that I heard that I was like, oh, like covers for fusion, that's really interesting. And I started just collecting a Spotify playlist of covers and I got enough of them at some point where someone was like, you know, you could be a DJ. It's like, no, I can't. And then I started DJing and I became one of the main fusion DJs in New York and that was crazy. And that's how I got into that. But I've always been very musically inclined. I'm, I'm a kind of a human Shazam. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until I became a DJ that being a human Shazam and being that person getting distracted at the bar because there's a song that I yeah. like and then throwing my actual Shazam up to see what the music is became valuable. Yeah, I've, I've performed too. I like to sing. So I've, I've sung with David Keough and Milo Walker Hayden. And that was really, really special. Ivy connected me with them. So I got to sing a song at Denver Fusion Exchange. I did a couple of songs. And at Vegas, I did a song with David. Those are very precious memories to me. So yeah, that's a long answer to your question. But I've done a lot of those things. I mean, precious memories for most of us as well that were there. Indeed. What do you think fusion dancing is? Well, <laughs> we were talking earlier about how that debate has risen again. I think fusion grew out of Lindy Hopper's slowing music down late at night and dancing to blues music and then people starting to dance that to that dance to non-blues music. But when it actually officially became codified, it was let's take different dance styles and mix them. Mm -hmm. So that someone coming from a tango background and a blues background and a salsa background and a Zouk background can find a common language and a common terminology dancing by bringing in the elements that they know. And people who know different dances can bring in those elements to their dances. At the first fusion exchanges, you would learn basics of tango, basics of blues, basics of different types of Latin dances, basics of West Coast swing. And that's what you would incorporate into fusion. And that's what I think of as the purest form of fusion dance. What do you love about fusion dancing? That it's never the same. <laughs> that people may have their own styles or their own ways of being, but that you can go off and learn another dance and come back and enhance your fusion dancing by bringing in different elements into it. And that there aren't a lot of other dances like that. A lot of other dances you have to learn the specific steps and the, the very rigid structures to be able to move within it. But with fusion, it is ever adapting because you pull from so many different areas and styles in order to be able to dance it. And that's really exciting. That's part of what makes it so slippery and so difficult to codify because there's not a, 
basic step yeah. of fusion in the same way there is for almost every other dance. But I think that that's part of what makes it so exciting and, and is what made it so pervasive. Is there anything you wish was different about fusion dancing? Oh gosh, less infighting. <laughs> On what it is and what it means, I think that that has hurt the scene. I understand the cultural and racial implications of the fusion versus blues story, but I think that that hurt both scenes, ultimately. And smarter minds than me could talk about how we could have done that better. But, but I think that that made it difficult because a lot of people come to this as a way to get away from their everyday lives and as a way to find joy. And it's difficult to do that when you're embroiled in this sort of question of, of what these things are. At the end of the day, you're putting on a party and people are having fun. And I think that that's something that I wish we could change. And that's hard because it's important to know where things come from. It is important to know history. And I haven't for myself figured out a good balance for that. What is that balance between understanding where things came from, giving it the proper credit, not appropriating, and letting people enjoy and connect with themselves and other people in their own bodies in the way that dance is so uniquely set up to do. I haven't figured that out for myself, but I think that it has been very difficult. And fusion is uniquely set to do that just because of the nature of how it works and how adaptive it is. So you've already kind of covered this, but what is important to you about fusion dancing? Oh, yeah, I guess we kind of have <laughs> covered it. I think that because it's so adaptive, it is something that multiple people from a lot of different areas can find joy and fun in. I mean, I think some of the people that I've seen that have been the most delighted with fusion are ballroom dancers because they're used to such yeah. structured ways of doing things and you can't step out of line and you know, you're, you're being judged on what you're doing. And then they find fusion and the freedom that comes from that is really wonderful to see. Now that's, it's a slippery slope because then a lot of people come in and feel like fusion has no rules and I don't think that that's true. But I understand why that is the case because it allows a kind of freedom that other dances don't allow the same kind of freedom. So you're always walking that line, right? Between, just like the line I was saying about appropriation, you're walking the line in fusion between how do you allow people the creativity to explore and to be outside of a normal partner dancing type of box while also keeping and maintaining certain rules and structures to allow to make it something of a cohesive dance or at least a cohesive rule set. And that's, I think, something that Fusion has always struggled with and will probably continue to struggle with for as long as it exists. How would you describe Fusion Exchange to someone who hasn't been? The greatest event you will ever go to. <laughs> or could have. Oh, man. 
it was magical because there was so much excitement and energy around what was happening. But one of the reasons that I think that it was so magical is because, particularly Ivy and the people that she brought around her and the way that she built Fusion Exchange, she kept such attention to detail. She had such a clear vision around what she wanted and she kept the structure she kept it as structured as she did. And because of that framework, people had the freedom to play, but within a framework that felt comfortable. And I think that she was constantly looking for thinking outside the box in terms of artists and musicians that could make the event better. She was always sourcing and looking for that and she would meet people all over the place. She gave so many of the people who are now Fusion Staples their first breaks. David Keough was inspired by an early Fusion Exchange and started messing around with music. And the first time he came to Ivy, Ivy was like, this is shit, do better. I think she probably was better. She, she was probably not, not like that exactly, but he grew out of that. And I know so many other people that did. So... She created this framework and this structure and this just attention to all of the little pieces that made it such an excellent event and such a good understanding of what needed to be done. They would start planning the event right after the last event had started and take a whole year to do it. And she was constantly sourcing talent and she found and developed talent herself. Um, And I say Ivy, obviously there was a lot of people who were like, she had a big team. A lot of people were very engaged and, you know, no person is an island, but Ivy's not in fusion anymore. And I think it's partly because of her burnout. And I think that one of the reasons fusion exchange was such a magical event is because of her and why there've been a lot of events that I've absolutely loved and have been wonderful, but nothing is ever going to be as good as fusion exchange because of what she uniquely brought to the space. And I really cherish those memories. And I, it makes me sad sometimes because it has been almost 10 years since the last Fusion Exchange. It's been a little over nine years since the final Fusion Exchange. And I'm meeting fewer and fewer people who like remember them. I mean, that's wonderful because things move over time. Like, again, I talk about fusion adapting. Scenes adapt, people shift, people move to different stages in their life. But, God, it was such a magical place. Again, a little bit of a rehash, but what are some of your favorite memories from fusion dancing? I remember two days before coming to Denver Fusion Exchange, David Keogh reached out to me and said, what do you think about singing Mad World? (laughs) And I said, all right. And we practiced it a little bit. We didn't have that much practice because I actually got engaged at that Fusion Exchange. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a special memory in its own right. But 
for the dance itself. <laughs> Free an engagement. Yeah, fuck the engagement. <laughs> no. I'm divorced anyway. It's fine. But for the dance itself, I remember being in the middle of that song and having this moment of self-awareness where I looked out over the crowd and I saw hundreds of people. Some of them were blindfolded and connecting and spinning with their blindfolds on. Some of them were, you know, rolling around on the floor. Some of them were doing very technical dancing and co-creating and connecting together. And I remember looking at this and being like, it's so amazing that I get to be part of this. That was my second fusion exchange. And the first one I had memories like that that were just wonderful, but being able to be part of that. Obviously, Ivy, when she would do her epic pop sets uh -huh. and she would play all of this pop music and people would dance until the wee hours of the morning, the joy and the energy that would be in those rooms, especially only someone like this who is this respected could get people who are exhausted at three in the morning, <laughs> go against all of the main conventions that you quiet your music down once it gets to that time and get people bouncing around like it's 9 p.m. at night and dancing to this. That was amazing. And since I've come here and since I've become an organizer and a DJ in New York, all of those moments where I may be not having a great night or I'm, I'm sort of like, blah, but then I have that one dance where I just connect with someone and I don't even know that person. I remember dancing at an event in, I think it was Toronto. I came and I DJed an event in Toronto. I danced there as well. And I met with this dancer who was getting into Zook, but he was an ice skater. And we ended up doing these dances and he like lifted <laughs> me in the air and we, we did like four dances in a row and it was just magical. And like, I never, I hadn't been ice skating in years, but he brought a style and energy that I had never seen before. I danced at a house party in Baltimore a few months ago with someone who had a Zook background and we must have danced together because this is a very Zook thing. We must have danced together nonstop for at least an hour, which again, more of a Zook thing than it is a fusion thing. Yeah. But it was something that was brought into fusion. Um, the moments where I'm DJing and I, again, look out over the room and can see and feel, I could close my eyes and feel that pulse of the energy and the way that everyone is creating their movement in such unique ways. Again, all, a lot of these things are things that could happen in other dances, but there's a flavor of it that's really special within fusion because people are doing so many different kinds of things on the dance floor, and that's really special. How has dancing helped you? It's given me a creative outlet. I am in technology sales in my day-to-day -day life, and while I get to be creative in other ways, um, it gives me a space to let my creative energy out in a way that I can't in my regular 
daily life. It's been something that, again, since I was a child, I would always gravitate towards moving my body and moving my body in alignment to music. Moving and stopping and hitting certain beats in the music with my body and being able to do that with another person. There's such a joy in that. I think it's, it's great, a great mental health benefit. It's a great stress reliever. And it's a way where for me, someone who's, who's pretty anxious naturally can get more into my body and less in my head. It's allowed me to push myself musically as a performer, as a DJ, and to think about music differently and think about how I engage with music differently. And it's allowed me to learn all of the different ways in which I can move my body, which is really exciting. So, I mean, dance has given me just so many things. And I've even brought the things that I've done into my work life. First of all, the fact that I can say that I'm a DJ as my fun fact at work, like <laughs> everyone thinks I'm the coolest person in the world, far cooler than I actually am. But I remember during COVID, Flower was very kind. She, during the George Floyd protests and with everything, the reckoning that was happening actually in fusion around the whitewashing of the space, I asked her if I could use the melting pot name to run at the time a virtual event because this was in 2020, but it was celebrating black DJs in the scene. And I remember the dance then obviously was very different and a lot of people, it wasn't for them. And I understand why it's much different doing it over a screen. It's a different kind of energy, but we got to do that. We got to celebrate that. That is one of the things that I can feel like I actually was able to do something to contribute to is by helping to amplify those voices. And kind of sillier way, I was interviewing for jobs in 2020. I, um, I was unemployed during that time. And in one of my late stage interviews in a final presentation, they asked me to present something about myself. And I did a PowerPoint on how DJing makes me a better salesperson and all of the ways in which reading the room, pivoting when things are and aren't working, crafting a, a story across the course of the night, understanding the differences in scenes and doing research before you come into a space, all of those are things that I use just as much in sales as I use in DJing. And I think that that is something that dance has given me. It allows me to bring those skill sets and be fluid and improv sometimes in my work life in ways that would be not as easy for me to do otherwise. Do you practice martial arts or any other movement-based skills? Not martial arts. I've never done any martial arts, but I've been into yoga for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that kind of like meditative movement style also lends itself very well to dance. Jamie Lynn is someone that I've worked with. I got some yoga instruction for her at a dance and that was wonderful. And I've always done different kinds of sports over the course of my life as well. Most recently I'm injured right now. So I, um, 
I can't do it. But most recently, I've gotten into circus arts. I've been doing trapeze. I've been doing aerial hoop, lira, and I've been doing um, rock climbing again for the first time in a while. And again, I think all of those can have some similar and overlapping benefits to dance and they help my dance just as much as my dance helps them. What do you think makes a great fusion DJ? I think reading the room is one of the most important skills any DJ can have. But with a fusion DJ, it's especially important because if you play the same kind of music the whole night, you will lose a fusion for. Because that's not what fusion is about. Fusion is not about one type of music because it's not about one type of dance. You have to be able to craft a cohesive musical set out of varying dance styles and have it make sense and not feel jarring to a floor over the course of whatever amount of time that you're DJing. So I'd say the ability to do that and find connections between songs from different styles to create that cohesiveness is important. I think reading a room, as I mentioned, is important. Understanding flow, which is another version of what I just said, but understanding how flow works is very important. I'd say music sourcing is, is also important. It depends, though, on how often your scene meets. I think you can rely on old favorites a lot if you're only doing something once a month. If you're doing it once a week, not so much. I think music sourcing is always important on some level, but how deeply you have to be sourcing and how much you have to be refilling your music coffers really depends on the um, frequency of your scene. What's a song you can't stop dancing to lately? That's a really good question. And it's one of those questions that as soon as you ask it, my mind draws a blank. <laughs> Super frustrating. A song I can't stop dancing to lately. I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Okay. Well, we can pivot for now to if you remember your first favorite fusion song. Damn. My first favorite fusion song. It might have been Bloodstream by Stateless. Yeah. Classic. That is still one of my favorite fusion songs. I remember I got to sing that with David Keough and he gave me the backing track and I sing it sometimes at, at house parties here. And it's still just as good as it ever was. Some songs flash out really quickly and then you can never play them again. Mm -hmm. But that song is something that works anywhere. Like there are a handful of those classics like that. I See Fire is like that. Cold Turkey still is like yeah. that. Um, and I think that Budstream was one of the first ones for me. Have you heard of City in Motion? I have heard of City in Motion. What have you heard? I've heard it's a great party.
What were some of your favorite regular or annual events in Fusion? Besides Fusion Exchange? Yeah. <laughs> um, I always had a soft spot for DJX. As a local event, and obviously Motley Hue as a local event, I thought that they were both really great. I also really liked um, Montreal Infused. They had a couple different names for it, but that scene was very different. And Sapo was such an interesting mind. I, I really, really liked Sapo's like, vision and Amelie. And I, on the West Coast, I really liked High Fidelity Fusion for the year that it was, it was out. I know they've talked about doing something again, but that was a really special one. And I liked it's the micro event. Banff? Bay Area Microfusion. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Because the East Coast, even at its height for fusion, never had micro. Micro, you'd have like maybe a room or like a couple songs, but you never had an event that was micro. And that was really fun, seeing what micro could be and getting involved in that. Which was always weird because at my height of DJing in 2019, I got asked at two different events not only to be a DJ for the micro room, but to open the micro room. And I remember like looking at these people and being like, well, you know I don't come from a micro scene, right? Yeah. Like, I guess you like something about my music, but like, this is not my wheelhouse, okay? We'll figure it out. I wonder if part of that is because like New York's so cramped that people don't necessarily want to. I might just making shit up, but like on the West Coast, we have a lot of extra space, right? Yeah. To be open versus like New York, right? Like it's A, the time you can be expressive is finite because you're like out in the subway or whatever in the streets and you're crept on top of each other. Offices are small, homes are small. So I wonder if it's that like, because yeah, why doesn't, has anyone tried to make micro happen in New York? I haven't seen it. Mm. I wonder if it's because the people who became organizers on the East Coast, micro was not their thing. Mm. Like, but then Ben Long was one of the first people to do micro and he lived in Philly for a long time. So I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I mean, when I play really, really slow stuff, people don't like, they seem to like it as you saw last yeah. time I was here. Well, for sure. They just, micro is not, yeah. it's also not taught here. Mm. So being in an event that was solely micro-focused, that was super cool. Maybe it's worth trying to have like a weekend micro and see how much attention it gets. I don't know. Maybe. Here. I'd be down. Did you happen to think of... What you can't stop dancing to? Ooh. So there was a movie that came out, I forget if it was in 2020 or 2021. It was called Work It. And it's a silly little movie about like high school dance group coming together, like scrappy underdog kids and such. But it had a really fun soundtrack and there are a couple of songs from that soundtrack that I've really enjoyed. And um, one of them is a song called Mess by Jordan Fisher. It's got like kind of a Latin vibe to it. 
it's got like a driving beat. I, I really like every time it plays, I'm always like kind of vamping to it. I, it's a song that I really like. Thanks for making the time and thanks for sharing. Thanks for having me.